Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. This may seem like an interesting story to read in the middle of a sermon series on famous stories of love. On the surface, this doesn't appear to be a story about love at all. But actually, the more we look into it and the more attention we give to it, I think the more we're going to see that it actually can teach us quite a bit. It sets up like a lot of other stories. Someone approaches Jesus and asks a question. In this case, it's a man who is called the rich young ruler. No name, just his identity wrapped up in what he owns and who he is and the position he plays in society. He is a rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus with a pretty simple question. What do I have to do to go to heaven? What do I have to do to live forever? That's not a surprising question. People have asked that question about religion and about God for as long as people have been around. What do I have to do to go to heaven? And Jesus's answer sounds a lot like most religious answers. Jesus says to him, well, look, you know what the Bible says. Be a good person. Do the right thing. Keep the commandments. You can't help but chuckle a little bit when the rich young ruler looks at Jesus after hearing this long list of commands, commands that if we're honest, we would all say none of us have kept perfectly, shrugs his shoulders and says, yeah, yeah, I've done those since I was a kid. If that's all it takes, then I should be good. And right after that interaction, there's this verse in the middle of the story which simply says that Jesus looked at this man and he loved him. And that's where love enters the story. A question, an answer, an arrogant response, and then Jesus looks at the man and loves him. I think it's great that that sentence is in the story, by the way, because it comes on the heels of an awful answer. This man is basically told, the way you get to heaven is you're perfect. And his response to that is, well, if that's all it takes. And in that moment, Jesus doesn't put him in his place. He doesn't call him down. He doesn't even challenge him, not at first. Jesus' initial reaction is to look at this man and love him. 
That's so comforting to me because Jesus is looking at this man at his worst, at his most arrogant, and yet he loves him anyways. But what's interesting is the writer tells us Jesus looked at him and loved him and then said something. And and you know that whatever Jesus is getting ready to say comes out of love. That The writer tells us he loved him, so he said this. And I wonder what you think Jesus might be getting ready to say the first time you hear this story. I mean, in our culture, you would think that if Jesus loves him, what's going to follow is certainly a word of affirmation or encouragement. Jesus is gonna say to him, you're right, you are perfect, or I love your optimism, I love the way you view yourself, you have great self-esteem, because in our culture, love is mostly synonymous with saying to someone, you're right, live how you wanna live, be who you wanna be, do what you wanna do. Love for us is affirmation. But that's not the form love takes in this story. Instead, Jesus looks at the man and loves him and then says to him this, I know you think you're perfect, but you still have one thing left to do. And then he tells him, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. Now that's difficult for any of us to hear, right? If Jesus were to tell us the way to heaven is to sell everything that you have and give it away and just let Jesus be enough, that would be tough for any of us. But it's especially tough for this man because after all, who is he? He's the rich young ruler. Jesus is essentially saying to him, you can keep the young part, but you gotta give up the rich and you gotta give up the ruler in order to get to heaven. It devastates this man. But you see, Jesus is letting us in on something. Jesus is telling us that love is not fundamentally about affirmation. Love is about telling the truth. Love means looking at someone and saying, I know you don't want to hear this, but this is what you need to hear. I know you don't want to think about this, but this is what you need to think about. I know you don't want to recognize this part of yourself, but this is what you need to see. Jesus is saying to him what the family of an addict would say, or the the friend of someone in a bad relationship, or someone making a poor financial decision. They would sit across the table, look them in the eye and say, I love you enough to tell you you're wrong. And Jesus is inviting us to see that for someone to really love us is for them to be willing and and to be willing to risk what they have to risk to tell us the truth. And Jesus looks at this man and says, you're not who you think you are. You're not perfect. You love money and status more than you love people. And you love money and status more than you even love God. Now, I think what Jesus is inviting us to see is not just that love tells us the truth, but also that God loves us enough to tell the truth. You see, this man comes to Jesus and he begins by saying, good teacher. He acknowledges that he has a high opinion of Jesus, not just as a moral man, but as a man whose answer he trusts. So when he says to Jesus, what do I have to do to go to heaven? He is expecting he's gonna get a good answer. He's confident enough that he wants to listen to Jesus. But Jesus says something so hard to this man that he ends up walking away. And Jesus is inviting us to see that if love means telling the truth, if love means being willing to risk a relationship, even if that's what it takes, then for God to love us means God wants to tell us the truth too. 
Many of us want to come to God and find affirmation. We're looking for a God who's more like a grandfather, who wants to pat us on the head and smile at us and tell us we're doing great. And that would be wonderful, except for this, what if we're not? I mean, this man thought he was perfect, but Jesus, in a single sentence, exposes that he's not. That, in fact, his heart and his mind are pretty self-centered, pretty dark places. No, Jesus is inviting us to see that a real relationship with God will mean that God tells us who we really are, that God wants to talk about the things that we don't want to talk about, that God wants to put his finger on the parts of our lives that we don't want him to touch. I wonder if you're watching this and that is what's keeping you from a relationship with God. If you're scared that you think, if I begin to pursue a relationship with God, he might wanna talk about my love life or my career or where I live or who I'm friends with or whatever. I wonder if that thought scares you. I wonder if you even would call yourself a Christian, but you know deep down there are large sections of your life you don't allow God to touch. But Jesus is showing us that that's exactly what love is. But he's also inviting us to see something else. And that is that when someone tells us something really hard, the only thing we have left to fall back on is whether or not we trust them. This man comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what do I have to do to go to heaven? But when he gets a tough answer, he decides Jesus isn't really that good. Jesus is showing him that you don't really trust me. You're not really willing to listen to me. You don't trust me enough. In fact, when the man walks away, Jesus, of course, is very sad. And he comments that it's very hard for wealthy people to enter into heaven. It's very hard for people with status to be told that they aren't who they think they are. We can identify with that. And yet when the disciples throw their hands up in the air and say, well, if that's true, who can be saved? Jesus says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Jesus is hinting at something, that it will be possible for that man to become a Christian, but it won't be because of his own personal desire to hear the truth or even to change. It will be because Jesus will live in this man's place, die in his place on the cross, and raised from the dead. You see, Jesus is hinting at the idea that the rich young ruler didn't trust Jesus enough to hear the truth. But there was something coming, Jesus' death and his resurrection, which would invite the man to see that Jesus really did love him, that he really could trust Jesus and would enable the man potentially to hear for the first time the truth. I wonder if you know Jesus in this way, this is what it means, by the way, to be a Christian. It means to say to God, you have won my trust. You have shown me in Jesus that you love me and you care for me. Therefore, I will listen to you when you want to talk about anything. You see, when we close God out of our lives, when we tell him we don't want to talk about our sex lives or our careers or our family or our friendships or whatever, what we're saying to God fundamentally is I don't trust you. But friends, that's exactly why Jesus has come, in order to show you that God is for you, that God loves you. You can trust him even enough to let him tell you the truth. And so in the end, this really is a story of love, a story inviting us to see a God who loves us enough that he can be trusted. And because he can be trusted, we should let him tell us the truth. Let's pray.
Father God, it is a difficult thing to be told the truth. It's an even more difficult thing to listen. So would you overwhelm us right now with an understanding of your love for us? We see that Jesus Christ has come to live and die and raise from the dead in order that we might see you love us. We can trust you. And then through your Holy Spirit, would you out of that love and in that trust speak truth into our lives in order that we might hear it and might be changed by it. That we would not like the rich young ruler turn away, but rather turn towards you to hear you and what you have to say in our lives in order that you might be glorified and that we might find our good and the good of our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.